Hey everyone, Andres Gamboa here with another episode of the Ponytails Podcast. Oh man, I'm excited. Today we have another European guest, but this time we are in August. If you guys didn't know, go check out all of our European guests all the way back in June. We had a series entirely dedicated to only European guests where we got to learn more about their countries and their experiences of coming from uh, Europe all the way to the United States to sell books door to door. If this is your first episode and you don't know what the hell I'm talking about, <laughs> Uh, this is the Ponytails Podcast, and we interview people who sold books door-to-door for a company called Southwestern Advantage, which is one of the oldest companies in the country, and it's for sure the oldest internship in the United States. Basically, they get college kids to go sell books to help families with homework, but these kids are selling these books for 80 hours a week, Monday through Saturday from like 8 a.m. to 9.30 p.m., sometimes even later, and they do that through their summers because they get to pay their school off that way. It pays more than your average summer job especially if you're doing it right. But it's one of the hardest things you could probably do as a college student uh, and maybe ever, depending on who you are. Uh, but if you guys enjoy some funny stories and some just outrageous things that can happen to someone on the book field, I uh, hope you guys enjoy the show. Uh, a couple of announcements before we get started. Uh, if you guys want, and if this isn't your first time and you guys have been fans of the show for a while, we do have a newsletter that is out. Uh, it's called The Colt. So make sure you sign up. Go to theponytailspodcast.com uh, here on your screen. And make sure that you guys uh, sign up. All you got to do is do an email with it. So there's the on the screen. You guys can see that ponytailspodcast.com. The Colts is going to be a monthly newsletter just telling you about what we're doing, what we're up to, who's coming up next on the show, themes that we're doing, charities that we're raising money for. And, of course, for our fans uh, who are liking, sharing, and commenting, you guys are going to be able to track your units y-o-u-n-i-t-s units and uh that way we can see who is uh the better fan there's going to be a bunch of different things that we're bringing to the show as well our beer is still on the way we've been we're promising that for a while and we're making leeway but guys it's hard to send beer across state lines but we're figuring it out and we will find a way so uh we are book people after all so enjoy that hope you guys go sign up for that um a couple of shout outs for some of our friends on the show um what we've been doing instead of just doing like a basic ad for our from our sponsors we actually asked them to give us some wisdom for our audience about different topics and so this this uh month lately we've been asking our our friends um about investing and so if you guys want to hear more about our sponsors and what they're doing uh every other friday nick traverti hosts the derby meeting which is where all our sponsors come together and it's like a round table talk about investing company culture growing a company scaling a company uh recruiting and they share some amazing wisdom we're talking about people like pat roach uh quentin roberts will matcher uh seth hood uh, just a bunch of really cool people um who are sharing some awesome things those are live every other friday on our uh just check out our linkedin and our facebook and you guys can check them out but sometimes we'll take some of that wisdom and share it to you guys here on the show so this first one's from quentin roberts over at cardinal senior benefits cardinal senior benefits um he started out with uh nick dale and, and pedro vega but his big thing on investing is tracking most people are stuck in a wheel of spending everything they earn Sometimes that could be me. If you're living uh, a life by default, you might say that you value family, friends, health, et cetera. But what does your spend history say? Ooh, yeah. So if you're not keeping track, it's a pretty good idea to start using apps like Truebill, Mint, NerdWallet to track your money and a well-filled out calendar to track your time is the first step of aligning how you spend your money, your time and your energy with values. Some pretty good wisdom right there from Quentin. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, next up, we have Elevate Wellness, uh, Seth Hood and Zane Gallagher. Uh, they started automating where Seth talked about how he first started automating where his money goes. So make sure each paycheck has an amount taken out and put into the reserves for retirement, emergency fund, etc. Then after that, the number of 
the number one best opportunity in business or investing is in building marketing skills. When you focus on shortcutting lessons by learning from others' mistakes, you can accurately and quickly acquire clarity for your own vision and direction that serves as working roadmap. Seth himself is coachable after all. That makes sense. So give yourself advantages by getting great coaches. So investing in your coaching, that's huge, uh, which is pretty much in theme for our next uh, shout out with Will, Will Metro and Southwestern Consulting and actually our guest today. Uh, so Will Metro from Southwestern Consulting says this about investing. He said, think about it. Uh, what is your rich life anyway? Like we all budget and worry about money, but if money wasn't an issue, what would you spend it on? If you can think of a few things and decide that that's the thing that you'll keep for your budget. For some people that's getting coffee at Starbucks for Will, uh, the big thing he allows himself to splurge on is whiskey. So he allows a fun thing to actually put into his budget to still have fun with his budget and be able to use his money for something that he enjoys. He's found out that when he keeps a budget but adds a few fun things in there, he's a lot more motivated and feels like uh, life sucks a lot less. So um, also dig into that derby meeting I was talking about, Facebook and LinkedIn, guys. That's uh, some wisdom from some of our partners here on the show. We like to ref call them our jockeys affectionately, <laughs> and they are awesome. So um okay so now it brings me to our introduction of our guest today as you guys know we don't do any pre-approach on the show on our guests we have we gather no information prior which is kind of counterintuitive to the way to an interview style podcast but honestly it's great fun because it highlights how cool it is when you meet someone who sold books and the whole idea we're trying to highlight here is how the connection you can create with someone just by the fact that they did this program and uh and that that's all we have in common so um Today with us, we have Andrus Albi, and he is from Estonia, uh, originally from Vaike Ma Maria. I hope I said that right. Vaike Maria uh, is his hometown, but he currently lives in Tartu, uh, where he uh, is with his wife and kiddos there. Super exciting to hear a little bit about his family life as well. Um, he sold from 2004 to 2015, a total of 12 summers. And uh, he was part of the E1 organization. So uh, in that time, the last time we checked, this could have changed because, you know, people are always selling more and more and more. But uh, last time we checked, he was the number seven person all time who ever did this program uh, as far as production goes. So to give you guys perspective, there's at least supposedly about 100 to 150,000 living alumni and probably 300,000 people that have done this over 160 years of the history of the internship. And out of all those people, who sold books. He is number seven in all-time production. We've had Amy Brock Devine here, who was number one, and we've had Yvette Morehouse and 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 um, a couple of uh, Grant Greeter, Brandon Q, who were all in the top 50. Uh, Andrus here is in the top seven. So I'm going to welcome him on the show after intro. We'll see you guys in a second. And then with me will be Andrus. Ponytails podcast. Here we go. <laughs> Boom. And we're live, sir. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. <laughs> maybe maybe I should take my hat off so we can be just two Andres or Andrus with the beards and, yeah. and the no hair. And no think? hair. Exactly. I didn't know. You. Yeah, <laughs> you can. I think we're definitely <laughs> similar in that sense. <laughs> Not just their name. I like but to say is... that uh, when I started selling books, I had hair. So maybe there's a correlation, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> 
I think you're right. Do Southwestern. You can learn principles of success. And, and lose your hair. Yeah. From the stress. <laughs> from the stress of selling. <laughs> oh, my gosh, man. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's so good to meet you. Uh, we've, been, we've been spending some time here. Are you, you, you had a gin and tonic, right? Is that correct? I have a gin and tonic. It's um, it's actually my favorite gin. It's, uh, it's a small – I Googled it. It's from a tree called Juniper. So it's a weird tree that grows in Ireland here in Estonia. And a chin, chin made out of that one. So, Hell yeah. No. I have some tequila. It's from Mexico, 100% agave. I'm going to take this shot. You sip on your thing, and we'll get the show on the road. What do you think? Sounds like a plan. Cheers to you, my friend. Cheers to you. Cheers. Ooh. That was more than a shot. <laughs> wow, that was aggressive. I, I, I got to watch my pour. I didn't. Oh, man. Well, uh, thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, being on the show. And I wanted to ask you, so you're part of Southwest Consulting. Normally we talk about, we start right where we're at. Like, tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Um, and so I, let's just let's just dig into that. So walk me back a little bit. 2015, you're looking at the end of your 12 summers. Uh, how did you decide to leave? And, and then how did you end up here? Let's just dig right into that one. Yeah. Um, well, I did 12 summers, right? So I really pushed the limit of that summer job, college kid thing. Uh, you know, Andres, when I finished, I was 32 years old. My first baby girl was born already. She was two years old when I finished. Um, so how to say my last, I think last seven years of selling books, I said, I'm a recent graduate. And when the hair declined at some point, you just don't pass as a college kid anymore. It doesn't matter what you say <laughs> on the door. Right. Um, so, so I, so I had a short, then actually the original plan after finishing selling books, I actually got a long-term uh, work and living permit in, in States. And I actually, we moved with my family to Orlando oh. uh, but uh, we didn't, how to say, that business idea didn't work out too well. And we also really started missing home. It's one thing of, uh, you know, going to States and living and working really hard there for three months in the summer. It's another whole thing to just live there all the way through. Uh, so we came back. Um, and uh, and then I started, uh, well, I, was got, I got recruited back to the family of companies. So now I'm doing the same what Will Metzer is doing. Uh, I'm a sales coach. I, we train basically salespeople sales managers and CEOs. Um, in, I'm leading the biggest uh, or pretty much the only European team um, of Southwestern Consulting. I'm a partner um, in that company uh, right now. So basically what I do is that I, most of the days I have these kind of conversations without the gin uh, with CEOs <laughs> of different corporations and sales managers. Uh, and we train their salespeople. We, we help them build their structure, strategy, everything that is business development basically that is uh, so so, cool. so this is really different for me because usually i'm wearing a you know a suit i have a water or a coffee and heavy business and now i'm doing the same place this is my home office where i'm using it and then i have a gin and tonic t-shirt than you so so i'm <laughs> kind of like in a how to say this is kind of different than usual uh it's so, like a twilight it's zone it's yeah a twilight, twilight zone. you know what uh, I'm honored though. This is what I do. I this is my I, I just do this and then I drink and then I have some kombucha or some water or some tequila yeah. and then we do this. So it's all good. I, it's I have so many good. questions because we had uh we had Darta on the okay. show. She's one of your team members and and uh one of the things I asked her is and I would like your your perspective on this is 
you know, and for people who don't know, Southwestern Consulting. So basically, the uh, about 20 years ago, Dustin Hillis, Rory Vaden, and uh, Dave Brown had this idea where it's like, dude, we're teaching these kids these amazing principles to help with business and and how and sales and self -per personal development. But they, we should take this and start a, a company where we do this with CEOs and owners and other just regular people who Tell maybe school. didn't get to experience the, the program. And so that's that's what that is for for people who are listening who might not know. Uh, but my question for you is, have you noticed, you know, with, with your training and, and, and being a partner in the European side of things, what are, what are some of the biggest differences and similarities between like the CEOs that you train with in Europe that you work with uh, versus the ones here in the United States? Or, or are there any, have you, have you noticed like cultural differences or anything like cultural that? Cultural differences. Exactly. How to say it's the, it's kind of like, how to say in peak things, I mean, the peak things, people are still people. Right. We still like if you look at our dreams and dreams and, and ambition and things, people are still people. We still are scared for our families. We still want best for our families. There's ambition to grow and so on. Um, but the culture for sure is different uh, in that sense. You know, Europeans and, and, and it's, it's one thing, you know, states compared to Europe, but it's completely different working with, you know, I have clients in Scandinavia, like in Finland and Norway, but I also work with Italians and and, and Spanish and and, and French uh, there. Like, you know, it's it's as different as Minnesota is for Florida. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's the, so, so a culture is always different. Then you do have to adjust. Um, what's the biggest, I mean, how to say, we are just a bit more, how to say, a bit less emotional, we would like to say, how to say, <laughs> right? It's the, you know, I don't get, uh, you know, I, I still remember when I was in a training for always and Consulting and I, and I listened to, um, I listened to this uh, sales meeting with where a manager was sharing about his team and the frustration with the team and and our um, our sales coach there who was doing the interview and and like a, how to say it, like an introduction discovery meeting where we discover can you help with coaching or not she was really good but still in the end um, she got that manager crying like literally crying um, about the frustrations with the team and and I'm like like. I mean, the bit, most emotion in six years I've sold and uh, this I've done this job. The most emotion that I ever get out of a European sales CEO, perhaps, is that I like my my favorite question is that tell me the size of this problem. Like, does it keep you up sometimes at night? And if a you know an Estonian sales manager tells you, you know, if I'm really honest, sometimes it does. Like that's the most emotion you'll you probably broke that you broke that person, right? <laughs> uh, so, uh, so maybe that's maybe the difference. And the same yeah. thing with selling. Like, I mean, I sell coaching really, how to say, like how to say, pretty logically. Like the ROI is there. You know, on average, if you look, take all of our people, on average, we increase their income about a quarter, like twenty six point eight percent right now. Which means That's some people crazy. will double and triple. So the ROI is there. So often I sell with an ROI, where if I look at you know Dave Brown doing this, uh, then Dave sells on you know you need more accountability and you need to achieve your dreams in life and and it's just, just like a bit more rah rah in that sense what I call like motiv motivational soft stuff basically what I call. So maybe I'm a bit <laughs> too straightforward. Um, that's probably the chin, but uh, uh, but it's the uh, so I think so, but. But in that sense, like I, I do think there's an interesting dynamic there because I have clients where they go, Andrew, this is just too American. And I'm like, and I, and people want to, 
how to say i see people who want to like how to say how to say they want to see it black and white they're like like this is too american this doesn't suit me and i'm like yes it does we just need to customize it for you in that sense like if you if you're going to put blinders on you and say there's nothing to learn from states because that's the american way and that won't work in europe you are kidding yourself in that sense right, right. but in, but it's so so you know i but i don't also think that we can just take whatever we do in states and just transfer it over to estonia and think it will work right so so there's definitely customization that is needed um but i like this actually was one of my favorite parts about this job is that because i work with so many different businesses and in so many different parts of the world you, you literally see you go like norwegians do it this way why don't that the, the the germans do it this way right the americans do it this way why doesn't it work here uh, and no, and obviously they different industries right they work with lawyers right. and manufacturing and it yeah. and and startups and then you go like well this this is the main way how manufacturing does business but this is not at all done in it for example and then you go like why like like what can we transfer from here and it's it's interesting in that sense so so yeah. these kind of comparisons are extremely like that's actually one of my favorite parts about my job is to to kind of make these connections and ponder why the heck does this not work in that sense yeah you know and i was going to ask you that i'm glad you brought this up because that was literally going to be my follow-up question is i know it's you're talking to Darta and talking to will quite a bit um especially will will's one of my good buddies so we talk probably every couple of weeks or something like that and uh yeah. at least once a month but anyway, the, um, one of the things that I realized that he has developed a lot over the years that he's been working at, at consulting is his knowledge on the different kinds of industries uh, that he works with. And and I heard, actually, I've heard a lot of conversations with like Mark Cuban, for example, in the podcast he's been in. And he talked about like his strength was being able to see a business and understand how it works. He said he would he would say, you know, hey, oh, you're a shoe store. OK, I know what you I know the schematics when I'm in Shark Tank. I can see a business and before they're even then talking about their pitch, I already know like the intricacies of that industry. And so I guess for you, question for you is despite having so many different cultures and industries, what are some of the like, no matter what industry, no matter what culture, these are like the three or four things that you need to have in order to succeed in any business, yeah. anywhere, anytime. For sure. And, and and that's really the concept of why I can help, right? It's so many people are like, well, but Andres, you don't understand my industry. And I'm like, yeah, I know. You know about more about your industry than I will ever will, but that doesn't mean that I can't help. Um, so right. three big things. Um, and that's actually, I mean, all three things are really same in, in selling books as well. We learned it from selling books. Uh, I think that, and it doesn't come in an order of importance, but just as I think about them, first, I think it's it's really their consistency and their schedule, their time management, how much effort they put in and how consistent they are at this, right? So I, I like this might sound ambitious, but I really truly think that for most people, you can double their income by their schedule alone. Like you just look at their time management, you look at what the heck they spend time on, you throw out the stuff that is not needed, you optimize a heck of a lot of things, you delegate a heck of a lot of things, and they free up half of their time. And then you put it into building a business, and that's how the business doubles. You don't even need to teach them skill. You don't even need to teach them anything else. You just need to look at their systems, wow. basically. Um, so... Um, because I do think like, I mean, I know with this gin and tonic, we're not going to make this a business podcast, but, but I do feel that, you know, it's, uh, like just briefly on this, I do feel that there's how to say like miscommunicate, misunderstanding in sales is that most people look at sales as can you sell or not? 
And the truth is, you know, Andres, if you have half decent product, even if you don't have a good product, if you're, you're going to sell something, right? You can do everything wrong and somebody will buy something. So the question is not, can you sell or not? The question is how much and how short of a time? How quickly can you multiply, right? Um, so, and how quickly you can scale. And that's where the time management, I think, is the most important to perhaps, uh, like, and I don't mean really time management. I don't even mean so much the outlook and things. I more like mean really your schedule. Like, how do you live your life, basically? Um, then second is, uh, like, how to say skill. And my niche, what we are, I, I do think that what, what we're really good at is, is I loved when you started with your intro with the, uh, you, you did investments and things, and then you said marketing skills. Um, mm -hmm. I always say, like, if you want a million people to download your app from App Store or a million people to listen to your podcast, I have no idea. But if you need to convince a CEO that your team is better and you're worth more money, that's exactly what I do, right? So, so basically, our niche is person to person. If you need to be convincing face-to-face -face or on the phone or like one person to a one person um, or a team to another team, then really those, there's really few, I don't think there is really competition for us in the world in that sense. Um, wow. And then the third big part is, uh, is motivation. It's basically just like, and what I mean by motivation is not just willingness to work, but I mean more, especially with managers, it's, it's being willingness to try new things constantly, right? One thing is you can always be sure is only thing you can be always be sure is the same is that the things are always changing, right? Only constant yeah. is change. Um, so, but I mean, as a manager, especially looking at these last couple of years, I mean, the amount of change that you constantly have to go through, right? Like the old way is not working. I need to figure out the new way. New way, you figure out the new way, especially now, you know, we go went, go went from, from full lockdown COVID to insane manufacturing crap followed by a freaking war. Um, and now, and now right. we're going into a huge, like, you know, Euro just went under a dollar. It, I don't know if that yeah. actually has happened, right? It's like, so it's, we're it's going equaled into, it, it. I think it equaled it for the first time in 20 years. In 20 years. Uh, and now like, it went under. It keeps going. It went under. Yeah. It's, 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 it it's slowly going. getting weaker. Yeah. So we're, yeah. we're, who knows what the fall will bring. So, so in that situation, you know, still and whole, having a company where you worked for 10 years, 20 years, you built the company and still finding the strength every single day to fight the elements, basically. Um, you know, that's the, so if I have to say three things, those three things, schedule, your skill and, and your motivation have going after it, um, even though the world is fighting back, basically. Uh, like the, so. the pers persistence, I will persist until I succeed. Type exactly. Of, yeah. Scroll number three. Right there. Number three. Exactly. <laughs> and and but but I would even change that. Like you will persist even after you have succeeded. But now you need to persist even more because you know you built a successful company for twenty years, but suddenly you can't meet face to face anymore. But you have to, right? Or you don't know how to do business on distance. You always met them face to face, right. right? You always have ordered stuff from China, but now the boards are closed and you can't do it anymore. You always had you know and and so on and so on and so on um and although you have built a successful company now you still need to persist because everything can go under again right so so the scroll is half written in that sense because right. it, there's no ending point you'll you'll never succeed or you succeed but you keep succeeding 
Um, right. So. so, so is that more like would that would that also come into? I don't know if this is right, but would that also come into like flexibility or or or, or is that innovation? Like something in the middle of flexibility and innovation? Because if if for example, we were talking about you, you talked about schedule, right? And but then after COVID, a lot of people were working from home. So all of a sudden, you have like an extra two hours—the hour that you're not driving home and back, the hour you're not taking for lunch and back. You know what I'm saying? So, but you also have a couch and fridge and a TV, right? Yeah. So, so then it's like so there's like a there's like a yeah that's that's very interesting. So there's this there's also like this underlying need for uh, there's like a consistency in the work ethic, but also an ability to adapt in the manner at which you work of how the, how you work. Right. Yeah. It's, that's an, that's an interesting paradox where it's like, you have to, you have to consistently work, but you don't have to be constantly working versus you have to be flexible in how you work. Right. Exactly. Oh, shoot. We got to use zoom now. Fuck, you better figure out how to use Zoom, you know, and you better get good at it quick because that's going to be the people that win. You know, the people that knew how to use Zoom to share screens for the first six months of the pandemic were winning. They, they then won. everybody figured it out. But the first like six months, those were the people that are like, oh, we got this. Uh, I know. But but let me give you an interesting one that is really like because some of the presumptions that we had before COVID were completely false. Like, like for example, let me bring you an example. The... You know, there was an assumption that when we get people to work from home, the productivity will fall straight away, right? People will sit on their couches, watch TV and so on. Now, three years later, actually, I had a, just a really interesting conversation with a senior manager in KPMG. I won't mention the country because then it will narrow down too much. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but there's KPMG in most countries, so it doesn't matter. And a senior manager, and he's like, Andres, if I need this job to be done quickly and properly, it's actually better to allow people to work from home. They will work more, they will work more hours, they will do more detailed work. It's actually like it's actually good for them to do the thinking work at home. But he's like, but the problem is people get weird out. There's no communication, there's no chit chat, there's no team. There's like they actually they they get depressed, they start drinking. Again, our team doesn't help. Um and uh and and so he's like, I need to balance, I want them to be in the office because it's like it's more fun to be in the office, there's more people and so on. But that actually hurts productivity. He was like, it's weird. We all thought that productivity will fall through the ground if we send them at home. It's actually vice versa. So I'm, I guess where I'm going with this is that we think there's these things that we know for sure are true, but then life proves us wrong in some situations, right? So that's really and again, interesting. it's a change. So, but that's, that's only really there, obviously, right? I don't know. Obviously, you know, you guys, Elon just said everybody comes to work no matter what, or you fired or something. So I don't know. Obviously, manufacturing plants are a bit different than <laughs> than KPMG guys, right? But, um, but yeah, but I think I think I think that speaks of here's my here's my here's my jab on it is the pandemic that was a unique situation because people were working from home, but also needed to stay home where if it was something where where you could work from home and then go out to meet your friends after work and still have a sense of community then that could probably balance out that, that sense of loneliness because it's all because because there is something about like the people that is, we know this from southwestern shit i mean one of the things that you look forward to were get backs because you would go to a city to see your friends from you know texas that you don't normally see because i'm in nebraska or whatever but when you were there you were so motivated and so 
in you know enriched by the that. by the people and it was grs was always amazing because you would see people from estonia and you'd be like oh my god like you know and, and it built built you up so you needed that community but you could have that through 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 this medium as well i think well it's just, only it's just, it's if like the people but only if you the people you go and have drinks in the evening are your work buddies Right, because remember, yes. in selling books, though that were they were book queens. You were, yeah, you were that that actually that part because you were so well connected with them that actually grounded you into the company. Right, in your podcast, how many people stayed for years and years in Southwestern just because the people were cool? They weren't even oh, making that of, much money. Almost all of them. Almost all of them. Almost all of them. Because they they go so, sell something else and they make way more money. They're like, what the hell was I doing? exactly but the people were so cool right so so that's the thing if i just go out and communicate with my old friends with my motorcycle buddies that will not ground me into the company that i'm working for right so yeah. so there's just nuances there um and it's and it's fun but but again as a manager right as a leader of the company uh you know is it big company or small company you have to deal with all of this so many variables that you have to think through and yeah. and strategize and build so and I'm I'm not saying by any means that I have all the answers. I'm just there to a second pair of eyes, and we just have a conversation and we think what would be the best one to do. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, There's probably nothing right or wrong. Um, I will say there was a company. I'm not going to mention the name, but there was a company I used to work for where it was like remote. Everybody was remote they, since the inception before pan the pandemic. It was actually the pandemic actually helped them because they were like, oh, cool, we've been we've been doing this. Uh, but one thing they did was they kept every every friday night they would have like a hangout on zoom and they would just like meet up with their work friends and you know have a drink and just talk about life and their spouses sometimes would join and like it was like hanging out at a bar at home with the friends now it wasn't the same because it's not the same it's it's not like that. it's not the same but, but it's close i know but it, uh, but it's it really helped it's better than it nothing yeah yeah. yeah i mean i agree really interesting it was interesting i agree i think People need to know, and I think that this is what this is getting really deep. But I think this is why this podcast succeeds is because, honestly, other work is hard, and even I, I hate the cliche of like, oh, if you love what you're doing, you're never gonna work a day in your life. That's bullshit. No, you still have I to agree. work. Like you have to work, even if you love what you do. At some point, because like your spouse and your marriage or your kids or whatever, if you only do that a lot, a lot, a lot, you get burnt out, right? For sure. And so when it comes to work. Like, even though you love what you do, you might love every day of your life because of your job. It's amazing, but it's still hard. And so still to have other yeah. people there to share that quote unquote trauma with, which is kind of what, why Southwestern alumni really clicked together. It's just, oh man, I did that shit too. And mm -hmm. it was hard and we got that in common and we can share this. And to, so to have someone else going through it with you, even though, because it's work and it's hard, that's that's the connection and i think that that's what was created during those meetings and and what happens when you go out for drinks with your work friends is you might not agree with like their politics there's probably work friends that you would never hang out with otherwise but because you do the same work and you speak the same language right you speak they get you you get them get you. It, it it you know if i say to you oh uh blue light award or if i say to you grs you're gonna be like i know sales school like you other people might know what that means but like you know you know yeah, you know yeah, I, exactly. I know you know because you cried in a corner your first summer you know yeah, on know. a tuesday because some mom yeah. was really mean <laughs> and so did i and that's okay so yeah. i think that that's needed that shared to be able to recognize in each other like hey we're, we're doing something that's hard 
you know, it doesn't have to be selling books, but it could be just a hard work day. And it's like, we're in this together yes. and you need that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I 100% agree. And then, then, but, but also put that in, and that actually explains really well on what I do as well is because both that if you're a CEO, right. And then you, you, yes, you have camaraderie with your people, but at the same time, you're also a CEO, right. You have to, it's lonely. Uh, it's lonely. It really is. Um, so I'm, I'm neutral. I'm in their team. Uh, I don't have an agenda, um, but I do have, how to say, experience. So, um, so that's yeah. where, that's where it comes in, in that sense, right? So, that's yeah, deep, that's and that's the reason for people to come. If people are listening and they want to learn a little bit more about, especially we have a lot of European listeners. If you want to go find uh, Andrews, you can go on his LinkedIn, yeah, and just look him up. Andrews that should have come come in the end, right? Did we, did we just turn to businessy? Oh no, no, I'm just saying. I, no, we're we're gonna <laughs> probably bring that up multiple times, we'll but but what I'm saying is, like, it it and look, I have a humble company. I have seven people on my team. And we're here at the Ponytails Podcast LLC, and it is lonely. It is. It is. It is. It, there's even even when I talk to my wife about what I'm doing, it's still not. It, she gets and she's like, "Wow, that's great that you're doing this." And you know, we have the Colts, which is our newsletter, and our beer, and sponsors, and whatever, and oh, so many good things. But there's a point where you're like, "I'm alone." Like this is nobody understands. I agree. Nobody understands what this is like, and so to have someone there coaching you, that's huge, 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 huge. And and work is I, I agree with you. Work by definition has grind in put into it, right? Like it's not joy, it's not fun, it's work. Now you still should love what you do. There's you know you need to have a purpose and you can help and so on. Um, but it's there's still grind built into it, and yeah. it should be. I mean, there's grind in everything that is worth it, right? Like there's grind in marriage, there's grind in health, there's grind in yeah. financial freedom. Everything that is worth it has grind yeah. built into him so yeah, so yeah even fighting for like social justice things like you know martin luther king jr was was marching 40 fucking miles a day right like you so and it, and it wasn't in asics or nikes this dude was like doing you know like church shoes at the end of those 40 miles he's like ah you know it hurts there's grind and he loved what he was doing we love what we're doing but it's still hard and you have to you have to bust i'm the same wow I'm the same. Yes, sir. I love Good. what I do, but sometimes it's work uh, it's, and you yeah. still grind. Uh, so. Which is the definition of professionalism, right? Which is like you do it anyway. You do it as best as you can, even if you don't want to, because there's days you, like, look, there's and I'm not going to say who because it's not the guest specifically. There's days where we'll be recording. And before I get to recording, I'll go, damn it. I have to stand mm. for two hours and try to meet a new person and I've had a long day or something personal is going on, you know, but then as I do it, it's fun. And it's, and I realize, Oh yeah, that's right. I love what I'm doing. Yeah. And but I, there's like that. And because, this, and because this is like, we'll get to the book selling part later, but I, I do feel that's probably maybe one of the main things that you learn from selling books, right? Like, like you wake up in a way and not in your stomach in the morning. You're like, I don't know how this day will go. This mom will be pissed at me. They don't want to buy anything, but you go there anyway and you grind. And then suddenly people start buying and they're nice to you and they're giving you food and, and they're giving you money. And you're, and then at the end of the summer, you're actually looking back to it and you go, happy times right but actually not during the summer right so maybe like that's maybe i i, I do feel this was maybe the the main thing that i got from selling like that's this did really help me in, like in being successful in life it was selling books like i realized that 
although it's grind, there's a rainbow after the rain or whatever, uh, whatever the saying is, right? Yeah. Um, it's worth going through um, because I, I do 100% agree. Like if you're my fitness, uh, I have a coach who trains me on, uh, holds me accountable that I run. Um, and I love his saying, he, he's, he, he's a Finn and he's, Finns are even more straightforward than Estonians, or at least about the same. Um, and, and he's like, Andrus, if you're going to run only when the sun is shining, you're going to run really little. In Estonia and in Finland, <laughs> we have a shitty weather, right? Like it's not the greatest here, by weather-wise. Uh, but but I love that saying because I'm like, if you're going to work only when you're motivated, you're not going to work a lot, right? If you're if you're going to be married only when you love your wife and you're excited, you will have one divorce after another. That's um, right, right? So uh, so I do, and I do feel selling books really really teaches you this that you can have a miserable day and then at 5 p.m 6 p.m you meet the mom who buys everything and you meet another one and you have a 100 150 unit day and you had zero at 6 p.m right um and then you realize that okay it's not over until it's over um and and you keep going that's that is oh i love that by the way uh, if you guys are wondering what the hell a unit is there you go um yeah so yeah 150 unit day would be a thousand dollars in profit more than thousand dollars of profit yeah. basically um yeah, although you not were nothing all. yeah not bad not a bad day thousand day <laughs> that's so cool I, lo I, I love that um another question about what you do and just kind of on the same on the in the in the same general topic of like motivation sales and 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 uh you know performance i guess is the the, the biggest thing I always wonder about or that I'm always amazed by is consistency. And, and, and I was curious to see if you had any like notes on like how to maintain consistency. Um, Cause it's easy to yeah. talk about, well, you got to do it anyway, even if you're unmotivated. Yeah. But like how, like, is there, is there like a certain thing, whether it's self-talk or something else where, where it's like, if, if I'm a person here, I'm going, I want to be consistent. How do I, how, what's your take on how to achieve consistency? Ooh. That could be a whole hour or two, uh, but, <laughs> but that, I love that topic. Like that's actually like um, Andres, that's my topic. Uh, like I believe I don't believe in goals that much. I don't believe in yeah. I don't even believe in self talk and motivational soft crap that much. I do believe in schedule and consistency. Um, and my take, I, my biggest thing with that one is how to say build a schedule that is productive but sustainable. Um, oh. So I, I, I do this with every single client. I go map out an ideal week, ideal work week, right? So two rules. One is that on Sunday, you look back to it and you go, I'm proud of myself. Like, like I can look it into the mirror and say, this was a good, solid, productive week, right? But the second is that you don't need a vacation from it. If you need to, you could go 52 weeks in a row and, and it would be like, and your family oh. would be good. Your health would be good, right? Um, so, so that's my, that, that's my thing. Like, I like how to say, uh, I like our, our household rules, for example, um, uh, my wife and I uh, have known each other since high school. We've dated since high school. Uh, this year was 20 years, uh, right? Congrats. But we, well, there's been some dark, dark, dark times, right? So it's not sure. like it's been smooth sailing. It's not a fairy tale. And I think rarely in the life there is a fairy tale. Um, but so, but because of that, we have ruled a date night a week, right? One week 
one weeknight, doesn't matter what's going on, doesn't matter how expensive the babysitter is, uh, doesn't matter what we need to sacrifice, how much business I'm losing because I'm not doing it, we really try to stick to it, um, right? Second uh, rule that I have, um, so more bad stories, but again, Jin is in. Um, uh, I'm a, my dad and my grandma both died of diabetes. So I'm the third generation. Um, now, my dad got a heart attack at 49 years old and fell to the ground, never got, got up, never saw grandkids, right? So my family physician looks at me pretty straightforwardly quite often and goes, Andrews, you realize that if you get fat, you will get diabetes, right? Genetically speaking, you'll die. Uh, so that really puts it into perspective. So I guess whatever the heck I need to do, I don't care who I have to say no to. I'll go and run uh, in the mornings. And then my rule is that I need to get, I, I get a one evening when I ride motorcycles. So I, uh, I do dirt bikes, I do motocross and enduro. Um, I do track riding if I need to. Like, so in the winter, it's mainly indoor. We have a nice, one of the reasons I live in Tartu is because uh, 50 minutes from here, it's the biggest uh, Northern European motocross indoor hall. So I can ride motorcycles in the middle of the dead winter with six feet of snow. I can still That's ride motorcycles. Crazy. Um, so, so the, like, I don't care who I have to say no to. I will ride motorcycles. I'm not doing it because I've deserved like it's that I've deserved riding motorcycles. I'm doing it because I need to stay fit and they help me do business as well. When I ride motorcycles and I have some time with my wife, my eyes light up. I'm good at what I do. I actually enjoy life. Uh, so, so I don't mm. sacrifice those things, but, but here's a kicker. Um, like really truthfully, I need one evening with my wife. I need one evening with motorcycles if necessary. And ideal world, I also will take one evening and I have three girls or with my wife, I have four girls. Um, so I will take one evening and I'll give the wife a free evening and I'll take the kids because she will go nuts, literally not even figuratively. Right. Uh, so, um, and I'll, and I give her a free evening, but that still leaves me two nights where I can work until six, I can work until 10 PM if I have to. And I often do, if I go to Tallinn, I take the late train back. Uh, so the train gets home either eight, nine or 10, depends on how I end my day. Uh, so often in the train, what day there's, there are other things to do anyway, besides work. So in most last six years, I've built this Southwestern consulting. I probably have average still 55, 60 hours a week. Um, like I still put hours and nobody can say I'm lazy. Um, but I'm not going to sacrifice my health and my family to achieve even a higher goal or work more in that sense. Right. Um, so, so that's perhaps my two cents on this. Like it just, you know, now when I was selling books, one of the reasons I was like, if I become a DSM, then I'll ride motorcycles. If I hit that, then I ride motorcycles. And I don't know, I hated life. And I also did. And because I hated life, I wasn't that good of it, that good at the business as well, because, yeah. because it was, it was just miserable. I was like, I'll wait until I get there. Uh, so now I just, I don't know. I don't care. Like, uh, like, I, but I, I still put, how to say, I still put, if I do 60 hours a week on Sunday, I can be proud. I can't say like, nobody can say that, Hey, Andrews, you were lying on a couch and, and so on. Um, but I just don't sacrifice the motorcycles and a, and a family. And, and I'm also really simple in that sense, Andrews, because I already really have like uh, my uh, Tartas, friend, another coach in Latvia, Tom's, uh, I was looking for a picture in my, I was sharing a screen and I was uh, scrolling through my pictures to find one, right? 
And he was laughing and he was like, Andrews, you literally don't have anything else in life besides your girls and your motorcycles, do you? <laughs> uh, because literally every single picture is either motorcycles or my girls. Uh, and and I was like, yeah, pretty much. What else is there in that sense, right? So I simplify quite a bit as well. There's no other hobbies. There's no other, there's no TV in the house. Like I simplify quite a bit, but those three things, business, like it comes in order of family, business, motorcycles. Um, and they, those three things stay in. Oh, that was a gold, gold lesson right there, my friend. Gold lesson. Thank you. So, so good. Um, ah, wow. So cool. Um, question, maybe this could be one of the last questions before going to Southwestern, but uh, I wanted to pick your brain on this. And first of all, I love what you said about the, the, I'm going to like, this is something I, I love what I do. Cause I take, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna take notes on this. So a schedule that you're proud of on Sunday and a schedule that you don't need a vacation from. So if you did it for 52 weeks, you'd be okay. And I love that. That's something that you said, cause I feel like that's something when, when book people leave Southwestern, they don't know how to do that because they've yeah. gone from selling and, and we've gone over this before, but for people who don't know, we sell, you sell, you sell like 80 hours a week during the summer. And really, if you're like an OL or even a student manager, it's really more like you sell 80 hours a week, but then you're still like managing at the other 20. So it, there is no room for anything else, which is okay for three months. But then if you're a full-timer, maybe you get a month off there between September, October, November is a sizzler. I mean like Americans, us, us sizzlers here in November, but you guys did whatever. The point is yeah. once, once, once there's a point where if you're going to full-time it's, it's actually not, I mean, that's all you do. You, I mean, Sunday through Sunday, it's, it's just calling, canvassing, following up and, and training. Like those are the four things and that's all you do. And so when people leave that, they feel like I remember I was guilty of this where I left Southwestern and went back to like quote unquote regular job and I was trying to find my way. And I often felt so lazy because I was only working 40 Old hours schedule. a week and I felt so yeah. guilty. I felt so guilty in my life because I didn't, ah, oh man, like, is there exactly. any, you know, like, well, I guess what you just mentioned is a good way to look at it. So it's like balance and boundaries, balance and boundaries, balance and boundaries. is, is, is is, is, is another way to say what you just said, which is like boundaries because you need to set up your big rocks. This is my family and this is the boundary. So work, motorcycles, in your case, that won't interfere with my boundaries, right? If Friday night this is, or whatever night you're going out with your wife, I don't care if the world's burning down, if Russia's attacking Ukraine, if, if your clients are falling apart or whatever, this is your time with your wife. And that's so cool that, you, that, that that's a huge lesson in it right there. Um, so that's a good thing to learn is just how to like understand that balance right i agree and then but also like i think one of the things that like southwestern is so good at teaching you the schedule but one thing that i think so few people understand is that you know southwestern has done it for 160 years right and quarter of a million people have sold books in 160 years and quarter of a million people you can try out everything right and they figured out that this is the best schedule to get the most out of production out of people in three months, right? Six days a week, 80 hours uh, a week, plus a Sunday that you pretty much work anyway or your sleep. Um, yeah. So they so they have they have tested everything. This is the best way, right? But now you come to normal life, everyday life, and I mean working 80 hours a week, six days a week, that's translate into hard like misery. Like that is not a yeah. good life, right? That that translates into divorces and uh, hair, and uh, uh, heart attacks. 
uh, straight yeah. away, right? Or mental Long-term, health stuff. No, yeah. Or health stuff, everything, right? But how to say, most companies that you go to, they haven't had 160 years, quarter of a million people to figure out what's the best schedule, right? You definitely haven't. It's just you and it's your life. So you have to basically, you start to build your own schedule. You have to learn what works for you, what doesn't, right? Where is the borderline? Where do you get miserable? Where you're not? So that's where I think coaching helps really well because that's what I do. I go like, what you learn from this week? But even if you don't come into coaching, First thing in my planning list, so when I plan my two weeks, every Friday I take time and I plan next two weeks out. Um, first thing in my list is that look at the week that just passed and what did you fuck up? Like, what can you learn from that week? Mm. What didn't work Ooh. well? Write that down. So, so you go into it and you go, well, like, what, what didn't work? And if I go, I was miserable this week, then you ask yourself, why were you miserable, right? And then you go, how can I make it more productive? What do I need to, right? Because, uh, like, I've had time where, uh, you know, between uh, between book selling and moving to the States, I had eight months where I was a stay-at-home dad. My, my wife is a middle school teacher. She wanted to graduate with her class. So I had a one winter full all the way up to June until my wife graduated with uh, the kids from middle school. Um I had eight months to be home. I rode, uh, Andres, I rode motorcycles every single freaking day. Um, I, we were, we invested quite a bit and we live really modestly. Only thing we spend money on pretty much is motorcycles. Um, so uh, my net worth actually didn't go down. We were actually quite stable in our net worth because of investments. Um, so I actually have, I guess I could have retired in that point, right? And I have to say, Andres, this was the most, like first month I enjoyed, second was okay. Third, I started to become depressed. By month seven, my confidence was gone. I was miserable. Like, like how to say, uh, I, I still, uh, one of my good friends is a, is an investment guru in, in Estonia. And, and he always says, you know, financial freedom, financial freedom, financial freedom. I'm like, that's a fucking scam. Like you will be miserable and you will be like, how to say, like the goal is never to retire. The goal is just to, you know, maybe work a bit less, choose your projects, uh, do cooler stuff in that sense, right? So, um, so I guess, so like my, the goal is never to ride motorcycles every single day. I've done that, that's miserable. Um, the goal is to enjoy motorcycles once or twice a week, right? On Sunday or Saturday, and then once in a uh, thingy. Same thing, I don't want to be a full-time, like if I, if I put all my energy into my wife, right? Like only thing that I have in my life going for is my marriage. <laughs> That's a disaster. That, would be, rough, have, right? that, yeah. that would be rough, right? Uh, but same thing with business. If I put all my energy only into business, that doesn't translate into a happy life in that sense, right? So, so, but it's boundaries, exactly. It's And it's figuring out what works for you. For me, twice a week on a motorcycle is um, is heaven. Like I enjoy this more. I don't really need that much more. It doesn't bring happiness less. I get a bit miserable. Um, right. So, so you, you yeah. kind of figure out what works for you and look at, uh, and look at your business same way as well. Right. For example, in your situation, you will probably enjoy, you know, you probably have a, like a sweet spot of how much recording a week you can do and still yes. have fresh and enjoy. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. if you push that, you can do like, let me do four months worth of episodes in one week. I mean, you can, but the quality of it will probably won't be as good because you just get right. miserable and you can't, you won't be excited. Um, yes. So you, it's, it, I also look at my like my business hours. It's not just 
60 hours of work a week. It's like, how much recruiting do I have to do? How much leadership? How many new dials that I want to do? How much I want to sell? How much I want to coach? Like, what, like where's the balance there in that sense? Because most managers that I coach, obviously, and most managers overall, they have more than one thing in their task list, right? In, in sell, but because even in selling books, we had, you know, morning gravy, then building new turf, and then there was yep. evening gravy, right? There was even rhythm there that you were like, no, 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 this works better. We didn't just go and knock on a door and it's like 13 hours or straight, I'll just rock on random doors. And well, if I was a rookie, I did that. I pretty much, yeah. I wasn't good pre approach <laughs> and so on. But, yeah. um, right, but if, there was even structure there. Um, yeah, so. Brilliant, so. brilliant. Oh, that's so good. I appreciate that. Um, and then I guess, on that same topic of things that people don't realize when they leave Southwestern, and this is actually probably good to open it up to like general people who want to start a business is what are besides sales, like everybody knows you need sales, right? And we've actually had this yeah. conversation with different people on the show, but I, again, I'm curious about your take on this because you have a really good perspective is I, often I talk about like, okay, Southwestern teaches you how to be a really good salesperson and how to grind out the numbers that you need for sales, not to be pushy, but how to make it so that the statistically you can kind of almost predict your production based on, okay, if I do X, then I should get Y, which is great. But when, and they, you know, we're running a business, but then when you leave and you actually like start a company, there's so much more shit that they don't teach you about like legal stuff, accounting, taxes, uh, scaling. I mean, you learn recruiting. So if you did full-time, okay, you also learned about recruiting, which is recruiting. also important, but like marketing, right? All that stuff. It, it what are what are, what would you say besides having really really good uh, work, like ethic, work schedule, and sales skills? It, of those things that I talked about, what what do you think are some of the most important things, or or where do you see people fail most often? Where it's like, oh man, you you like legally, you need to have your stuff together or whatever. Like, what what are For some sure. tips on on that aspect? Yeah, yeah. like I look at it, I I would put like sales skills are just one skills. Like I would put skills overall that you need to be good at, right? Like how to say knowing your, like, I think the main thing that helps a top producer in, in any business is being this, what we call a student of the game, right? Mm. Whatever you need to learn, like learn it, like be excited about it um, or recruit somebody who's better than you, right? It's that's the second option. Like you don't want, like, for example, I don't care about, like I don't, I'm not excited about figuring out law details, so I'm okay spending a bit more on a good lawyer uh, because I don't want to. Right? Um, I, I always laugh that if I would research as much on stock market as I do on motorcycles, <laughs> financially we would be in a better place, right? I don't just, but I, if I'm really honest, I just don't care. Um, like I'm, I'm not going to. Re like I've tried. I've uh, honest to heart, I've tried reading financial reports and and things, and I just like none of it gets excited. And I, it's funny because it's just numbers, and motorcycles often are as well, like engine configuration, horsepower, <laughs> the suspension settings. I mean, it's really numbers, but those numbers speak to my heart, and I I love that reading those. And I, I usually know when I walk into a dealership, I usually know more about the bikes than the salespeople there by far. Um, I know the details, uh, things, um, which is sad because I'm not going to make money at it. I'm actually going to lose a heck of a lot of money buying these motorcycles. Um, uh, but but it's being the student of the game. Like so so this is my my, my uh, like first is schedule, and then second is being willing to just like what I what I chase after in life is skill, um, not money, uh, not 
production, not rewards or promotions. Like, like I, I don't, when I ride motorcycles, I don't race for the, do I win anything or not? But I want to feel in the end of the year that I'm a bit better at it. I've learned a bit how to ride better, right? Mm -hmm. So, so I think that's maybe the the second thing is that like like I do think one of the things that Southwestern doesn't do is teach you really on how to have a good schedule at home. Um, and second thing, it doesn't really like one thing that we do is that we say that if you can sell books, you can do anything. That is not true. No, it's not. Yeah, right? Like, exactly. like <laughs> it's like it's the like yes, if you take the same principles and you learn the new job, whatever the heck you want to do, and you really get good at this. Yes, you can do that job really well as well. But that doesn't mean that everything you learn from the book field is everything you need for a business. Of course not. Um, so uh, so I think the second big part of a top producer is just like whatever the heck you need to learn, learn. Um, and then, but also I do think recruiting is a big chunk as well because I don't think you can learn everything, right? There's only sure. like, uh, like I, I do believe that doesn't matter what I want to learn. Like if I want to learn how to uh, play a piano right now, I just need time and a good teacher, right? Doesn't matter really what you want to learn. You need time and a good teacher. Um, but uh, so you can learn anything basically, but there's only limited amount of things. You just, you need, you know, 10,000 hours to really get good at something. Um, so you just don't have that many 10,000 hours. So choose wisely, choose what you really want to learn well. Um, yeah. So, um, so the, uh, so I think that's the second thing. So recruiting, but recruiting really helps there because you can you can recruit somebody whose passion is figuring out law, whose passion is figuring yes. out marketing, uh, right? Yes. Uh, who's excited about these kind of things? Um, so um, and recruit. So and I, I do want to say I like these these things, but I do, do really think that if you haven't learned how to recruit well and keep people and build people. Then you never build a business. You always just created yourself a job, but you pay taxes differently. You, uh, you, but it's still a job. It's not a business. It's only business yeah. when there's other people who you have trained and expand and helped and built so much that they do this job better than you do. Basically, um, that's the that's the end goal in that sense. So, yes. So that's my difference. yes, 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 yes. I love what you said. That uh, Barry Hart said the exact same thing. Same idea. Love what you just said. Basically, his his take on it is like, dude, there's gonna be things you're gonna hate to do, like, or you just don't have the interest to do. But there's people out there who love what you're doing and believe in your mission, who would do it almost for free, and they're good at it because that's what they do. Case in point, so uh, we just hired uh, one of my friends, Amy, uh, on the show, and so she look, uh, Nick Taverti, amazing. He's great to talk to, fun dude, and he's really smart on like how to expand things. Naomi is really smart on how to like uh, market things from a standpoint of like this is what people would respond to, right? Heather's doing our beer. Um, on, we have another person, Julian. He does our video editing. But we didn't have a person who was like really excited about organizing things. This is like Amy is like super into like organizing things, and she just love. I mean, it's like in her brain, she's like a very type. I don't remember what enneagram one it's like not a perfectionist but organization is it makes her feel good it just it just like for me talking to people this makes me feel good right mm -hmm. not that yeah, yeah. and so literally she's coming to the show and we hired her and she's organized all our things or emails put things in and, and she loves doing it it's easy to pay her to do it she love you don't have to motivate that person to do it because it's just what they love to do 
right? My, 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 uh, my Nick is really good and likes talking to all our jockeys and he likes expanding ideas on how to make them more marketable and branding them better. He loves doing that. So it's like, dude, go do that. Do it all. And, and, and here on the show, uh, we've given each of those people autonomy where it's like, don't ask me for permission. Just do it because you're probably better at it and you know more about anyway. it than me. And so yeah. if we mess up, fuck it, fail forward, right? Like mess it up, learn why you messed up and then move forward. But I don't want to have to deal with it. Like, this is what I do. This is my best. This is what I'm best at. And it's okay. I will mess up and I will learn from it. <laughs> but from a standpoint of like doing that thing, fucking just do it, do it and do it well, do it poorly. I, I agree. But, but to counter that a bit, like there is a, how to say, you do need to, how to say, you don't need to be an expert and you can be expert at only really few things. But at the same time, you should at least understand on the basic level um, yeah, that yes, if the person fair. who you are hiring starts telling you complete bullshit, you at least you at least have yeah, some alarm yes. bells in your head going, I don't, I don't think <laughs> that actually is how it works, uh, right? So, so you have to be the, you know, I love the saying that you know the what is the uh, it's better. Uh, master of none but jack of all trades but master of none but it's still better than than the you know one specialist thing whatever the saying is basically yeah. my english is yeah uh, let's blame it on gin not my uh, english it's gin, it's gin, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no but you're right you're right that you got to have that to know and and i think that is true um i should have you're right absolutely correct whereas like also just so you know the direction because here at the at, here uh, on the show like even though they have autonomy, I still need to know kind of what they're up to. So that like, so that way it's like, Hey, is this really heading in? And even though you're doing a great job going in that direction, is this overall pulling the entire, you know, train in the right direction? Exactly. Uh, and, and that's also part of, of knowing. So, so case in point, and you're in charge of the vision. You are in charge of where yes. the heck we're actually taking it. But, but I feel so many managers struggle with this is because we, we, we want to be in extremes almost like I, I feel people's mind, like, human mind wants to simplify we want to see black and white right it's so much easier like you guys see it in your society really well you guys want to go in extremes in every way right there is no middle ground there's only like Jesus. you know let's give guns to everybody or let's take all rid no, of all the guns yeah. and there's no middle ground whatsoever that's right so true. Um, that's the biggest problem uh-huh uh so and but our human mind wants to do it in this way and i think managers in that sense want to do it this way as well they either go like if you know you have this one extreme manager who says if it needs to be done properly it needs to be done by me i tried to delegate once and they fucked it up right but then you have the other extreme who goes no no i'll just hire better people than i am and they and they give them freedom to do whatever the heck they want with no guidance whatsoever um and they mess up 100% almost not 100% but you know every there's an exception to the rule but more often they mess up than they don't the balance is in the middle right you need to be into the details as a manager you need to understand the nuances but you also need to trust your people build your people delegate well because otherwise you'll be always doing it yourself you always just created yourself a job um yeah. so uh, i i believe almost always there's a saying in uh there's a saying in estonian that says you always build the church in the middle of the town which basically uh, says that you always go into the middle uh, and i like extremes are always bad right it's the one way we want to just black and white everything but it's not life is mostly great um gray oh, area everywhere um, oh my god so, is that true it's like yeah. it's like being a coach of a sports team right like if you, you got to know a little bit about defense 
even though the defender is better at defending than you, you should know still enough about defense so you can still be like, hey, you're actually doing this wrong and this is what we want to do. Even though you have more skill than I do at this, like this is still not the whole. When, when it comes to being part of the whole, you actually could be more productive as a whole doing this sure. this way or no. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Oof, good stuff. Church at the center. This is all good. It's all yeah. good, man. Oh, all right. We might move into some uh, Southwestern stuff before we're here for five <laughs> hours. Let's go with so, all right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Hold on. I'm going to pour another shot, even though I'm heavy on the shots here. Jeez. How's the gin? Is the gin doing all right? Gin is doing all right. <laughs> um, I think I will, and and I mind it's you know it's eight thirty p.m. here, so literally after this one, this gin will make me fall asleep really nice. You're gonna you're so gonna sleep so perfect. good. Yeah. Uh, Speaking really of a good, good schedule, good sleep is important. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A quick shout out to a quick shout out from and, and some investment advice from some of our other partners, and then we'll jump into Southwestern stuff. Uh, thought leader Dylan Barr is a stud, and we talked to him about his own investing. He opened up about growing up with poverty mindset. So actually, uh, I totally relate uh, to this. But basically, he ha- it required a lot of deprogramming to get out of this poverty mindset of of his subconscious. Uh, and a lot of us are probably like that. Would even if we've had a ton of money and opportunity. There's a lot of self-sabotaging habits and stories that would prevent us from making the most out of a good thing. So that's why Dylan urges us all to invest in a mindset and a sales coaching to get over those nagging thoughts. So there right there is uh, is another reason why you should get coaching is to get other people's perspectives on this. Um, Quentin Roberts, again, from Cardinal Senior Benefits uh, and some more insight that's that's positive. He initially talked about keeping track of where your mind, time and money go. But uh, what do you do after you find out where your money is going, where your time is going? Well, first, stick to your budget. Uh, seriously, if you find yourself unable to, maybe you should rewrite it and do some more fun things. But after you actually follow through with that and gain confidence to stick into your budget, celebrate the win, build the momentum on all the little changes that you're making and don't let yourself go without celebrating. Have fun into it. This is, we're talking about this balance again. Uh, change is inherently painful and intimidating, but it becomes fun when you chip away at the little wins until you get to the big wins. Um, and then last uh, but not least, uh, Pat Roach. Some uh, investing advice from Pat Roach, obviously someone to learn from with Southwestern Real Estate, and uh, you know he's he's been enjoying himself traveling a lot. But uh, here's what he had to say: When you set your calendar up, do it on a yearly scale, um, and then when it comes down to earnings, you set a goal to max out your retirement funds for the year by March. If you can do that in the first quarter, you'll have unstoppable confidence knowing that you're going to be set up in the future, and that all the extra money above bills uh, becomes more like beer money, fun money. That you can throw at more volatile things like crypto or whatever else you're interested in. Or (laughs) motorcycles. Also, invest in things like a spiritual coach and a a sales coach. It's hard to keep your existential crisis inside. Let it out. So whether that's mental health counseling, whether that's sales coaching, whether that's spiritual coaching, whatever that it is that you think you need. uh, Also investing in that as well. A A lot of our people are saying that balance, which is kind of the theme of this episode is like learning to have a good balance and and sticking to it. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant stuff. All right, my friend. Well, shot number two for me. Cheers. Cheers to you. I'm halfway right, for the chin. <laughs> that was a better pour. I think that was about. All right. <laughs> no, the second All one right. just goes down more easily. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right. Um, okay. So what we like to do at this point is we rewind the clocks back, go back to 2004 or three, depending on when it was that you talked to someone. Uh, yep. This is a different time in Europeans because right now it's more common stream and mainstream that Europeans go to the United yep. States to sell books. I, I, I understand from Simon. I don't know if you know Simon Steinish, 
really well. Amazing. I love Stannis. Shem is amazing. Uh, Premislav. Yeah, I call him Shem. I don't even know how to pronounce Shem. it, and I'm I'm local, right? But even I don't yeah. know how to pronounce it. Well. Shem, I'm, amazing uh, episode, by the way. If you guys haven't heard it, uh, we actually have two with him. One and started. Uh, if you go click, they should be on the link up here. One we did back in March. He's doing this uh, fundraiser to help uh, Ukraine and children, specifically families. So if you guys want to hear more about those details, go check that episode out. It was back in March. I think it was March 15th or something. I was before our hundredth episode. It was a special episode we have with him. He also was our first uh, European guest in the month of June. We had a really good conversation about what his company is now. He's amazing guy, really, really smart dude. Uh, so make sure you check it out. But uh, anyway, so uh, he it was he was your contemporary. He was selling right in that 05, 04, 05, yeah. uh, and he was telling me- was I would love to recruit Chem. I've been trying to, but he's not giving in he's, in that sense. So he's, his own he's business a stud. Is yeah, he's yeah, a stud. He's a great he's a stud. One. But anyway, I'm mentioning him because he was mentioning how it was a little different. So take us back uh, 2003. How the heck did you first hear about this opportunity in the United States to sell books? Yep. And, and tell us kind of that story. This one is a this, this one is a story. Uh, well, it's not so much story about how I heard about selling books. That was easy. I went to a, a lecture and they said, do you want to hear about opportunities to work in States? And I was like, I want to. And that was the recording yes. process. <laughs> uh, so... Um, but my story with selling books, especially, is um, is a maybe a bit different one in that sense, or I don't know if it is. But so, I'm from rural part of Estonia. Uh, the village that I'm from is the whole parish is five thousand people, um, and uh, and again, like I loved what you said. You know, you connect to not coming from wealth. I was the same way. You know, we had food on the table and clothes on our back, but we weren't rich by any means. Um, so. Um, and, but, and here's, a, here's a, my background a bit. I'm pretty sure these days, if I would be in middle school, I would be diagnosed ADD. Uh, no, I really doubt that it wouldn't like really? that. Time, obviously that time in 2000, you know, in 1990, end of 1990s, when I was in middle school, I was just considered an active kid. Nobody diagnosed crap out of it. Right. But I'm pretty sure I'm ADD a bit and also dyslexic a bit. Um, oh. so, so, um, so basically, I how to say, uh, it's not that I didn't have the brain. Yeah, they come out and I'll zoom out, uh, give them the part of the yeah, yeah, yeah museum. You found the museum. Here we go. So that's Estonia. Now the so Tartu is, is, is just there where your mouse is. Right I'll go back. Yeah, yeah right there. Here. Yeah, and the chin that I'm getting from is the island on your right, on your left, uh, on the screen. That those ones exactly. That's where the chin is from. Um, so, Jane, anyway. I see. <laughs> yeah, and so Finland, and yeah, zoom out Europe, picture of Europe a bit. So we are right on the border of Russia, right? Belarus is right there. Ukraine is a bit more south, but but really, um, this Ukraine. war hits us. Here's Ukraine. Belarus is right there. Uh, Latvia, Lithuania. Um, so that's where that's where I'm from, and that's where I am. Hey, um, question for you. And sorry to interrupt the story, because but but you mentioned this. Are you guys in Estonia nervous about Russia? For like sure. after, okay. Not just nervous, like Andres, like let me be straightforward because this is all, all over the world. Ukrainians are fighting our war. If if Ukraine fails, we will be next. There's no doubt about it. Whoever is thinking that it, we won't is dreaming. Uh, so that's why Pshem is doing what he's doing. We are sending everything we have for them um, because mm -hmm. we would be the next. If they fail that war, we will see a war here in 
unless there's a regime change in Russia, which if they don't, if they win the war, it, there won't be. Um, like, so it's not just nervousness. Like we are, you know, personally, I brought guns back to the house and, and I'm trying to open up my schedule. I want trying to find balance in my schedule so I can join the army reserve and go and train properly again, because there's a big chance that we might need to. Uh, Holy shit. So this is not a, this is not somewhere far. Uh, this is, uh, they're fighting our war. There's no doubt about it. If, if wow. Putin could have his way, he wouldn't put. He would bring Soviet Union back to here as as soon as he could. Uh, and only thing that will stop stop him is guys like us, Ukraine. basically, or uh, World War Three. Well, oh, we will not go into politics, but but uh, but honestly, I do think that your Joe could have Joe could have at least not said publicly out loud to everybody that doesn't matter what happens, we will not come. Like that is a stick move. I'm sorry, that shouldn't. Like I don't oh, know who advised no, sure. that one, but but I mean, we should have troops ready to go. We don't need to go, but we should at least have them ready to go. So they would have to put some tanks on this border as well, and would make life in Ukraine a bit easier. Um, right. So, but the part that that Joe said publicly out loud to everybody that doesn't matter what happens, we're not going to go. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't know who advised that's, that, but that's just stupid. Yeah, I mean, I heard that too, and I was like, what the fuck are you saying that's leaving a bunch of people oh, oh. okay wow so oh, but it is, but it is a scary thing yeah yeah that's the, that is a that's, scary thing that's a scary that situation, is a scary thing. man oh. so, um so yeah so um so basically back to my story so yeah, ADD, small town yeah dyslexic ADD, small dyslexia. Dyslexia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just a bit um so and basically i was how to say but i was i was really good at one thing um i was really good at my logic an ability to talk my way out of stuff, um, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, so I was also a flimsy kid. I was pre premature a bit. I was flimsy quite a bit. Um, so I was bullied a bit, and I, I learned through that, through dyslexia, and through well, not really. I mean, I, I had I struggled with grammar basically. I mean, it's not like I couldn't read or anything. It's just like I struggled with grammar a bit, and I had trouble staying foot and paying attention. So I learned the way to talk my way out of stuff, right? I, my uh, my uh, literature teacher once told me, said, Andres, like, I, I wrote a book uh, book report, right? And, and, and he's like, Andres, I mean, based on what you write, I understand that you haven't read the book, but your, <laughs> your logic is so solid that you get enough things right that I need to give you a C. <laughs> that was literally her words. She was like, I understand you haven't read a book, but your logic is good enough that based on the bits and pieces of info that you've collected about this book, you can it's get a book enough. report. Good enough, right? Yeah, you gotta see. Um, so, so that was my way, and um, and so that was my plan, really. Like how to say, Andres, I have to be honest. I wasn't I wasn't strong enough to do sports. I wasn't bright enough to do science, and I didn't like doing stuff with my hands. Like now, I can hold my weight in a garage. I I broken enough motorcycles that I'm pretty good at fixing them. Um, but at that point, I wasn't really good with my arms, uh, with my hands as well. So really, my plan for future was always that. Well, you know, I'll, I was a, I was a chairman of the student council, uh, right? I was I, I did speeches in high school. Like I was like, you know, I, I, the sales thing, this people thing. You know, I will be good with that. Talking right? my way through things. Yeah, 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 I'll talk my way through things, right? <laughs> um, so, and I have to be really honest. If when they first mentioned about selling books. 
Um, this was, uh, I did the math on the, you know, you said eight, eight units, eight dollars per unit. This was the only job that I knew that potentially I could make enough money in the summer to buy a motorcycle. Like I've always wanted motorcycles since I was a kid. Like I still remember being 13 year old, 13 year old boy, um, being like, there was a girl that was called Miriam. Uh, this is a funny story. There was a girl, and I was a bit, I really liked her. Um, obviously, I was 13, and it's not like we dated or anything. I don't think we even kissed. Um, but basically, but because I liked that girl, I decided that the first bike I will buy, I will call Miriam. And I, <laughs> and I still do. I still have Miriam in the garage. The dirt bike is always Miriam. Uh, it's like, right. which one will you buy today? The other are BMWs, the other are model like GSs or RRs. Miriam is still Miriam. The dirt bike <laughs> is always Miriam. Um, so, so anyway, I wanted a motorcycle, right? That um, first is special, baby. That first is special. Oh, um, so now this is Miriam number nine. Like I've gone through quite a bit of like some of them went peacefully, someone didn't went that peacefully, but but you know, but it's still Miriam, doesn't really matter. The memory remains, the memory yeah. lives on, the um, legend of Miriam. So um so I wanted to buy a Miriam basically, right? So that was the reason really I signed up for selling books. But now how to say, let's let's be honest, like that's that's the part that you can talk your way out of stuff make you a good salesperson? Of course not, right? I didn't have structure. I didn't pay attention. I was figuring that I would just be naturally good at selling books because I can know how to talk to people. Like that's like not looking at back to it right now. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say, but that literally was my plan, right? Um, so like under the only summer that I didn't do well was my first. My first summer, I barely, I barely made money. Actually, if I look at all the expenses that I put in, um, maybe made a couple hundred bucks. Uh, I mean, like, so my book selling career didn't start. I wasn't the top, top first year by any means. Uh, actually, my first week out, I didn't sell a thing. My second week, I think I sold like one client or something. Like my manager actually says there was a moment where he was thinking that if this guy doesn't pick up, I need to send him home. Uh, yeah, you yeah. got to go. Yeah. Uh, so, so only, yeah, only summer I wasn't on a superstar book, only summer I wasn't in a top hundred was my first summer. Um, well, and if you so, would have had a good first summer, you might've been number one. You might've been Amy Brock Devine maybe. of all time. Um, <laughs> remember it's about skill, not about the ranking, not that's about, right, right, right. uh, not about the money. It's oh, about skill. Uh, you are so, your units, man. You are your units. You, are, you sold, sold 2,000. Yeah. Loser. Loser. Yeah, true. That's what they would um, say. I'm, I'm scared. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Amazing. Uh, I, I, yeah. So now, so, but then my second summer, so then that was my challenge. Um, like how to say, uh, like I realized that, so this first summer scared the crap out of me because I was like, yeah. well, Andrews, if you're, if, like, because remember, my plan was that, you know, I'm not good with science. I'm not good with uh, my hands. I'm not a sports guy. My plan was people and business. And selling books proved that you're average in, you're average in that as well. Right. Um, and in that moment, I was like, well, maybe I will be a good husband or a dad. But I mean, that was long far out. So, so that wasn't the plan. Um, so in some ways, I was like, that really did scare me. Because I was like, maybe then I will be shitty at pretty much everything. Um, another thing happened, uh, we've mentioned this a bit already, but, but my dad actually did pass just before my first summer. Oh. Um, and, 
Dude. And how to say, like my dad was my, you know, that gave me money. That gave me a, like, I want to say car, but it wasn't really a car. It was more like a machine. Um, but anyway, <laughs> and, but, it, but it basically suddenly my dad wasn't there and we had, it, did it, like I told you, we weren't rich in the first place. Now dad's income gone. We were struggling in that sense. Um, so how to say, so these two things come into play. First of all, I figure out that Andrews, if you're not going to learn how to sell books, if you're not good at selling books, if you're not good with people, you just might not be good at anything. And second, I had a, now I, I needed, I was a household, in, like I needed income basically. Yeah. I needed to make, make money. It. Yeah. Um, so my second summer, I went in with a vengeance in that sense. Like I actually did learn, like I actually started focusing um, my ADD kind of put, like ADD people work really well under pressure and I was under pressure, um, right? So I honed in, um i learned i drove my manager nuts with questions like literally my manager i remember at some point i was like what does it my manager in that point was the only estonian who had ever sold prisons club so 600 units a week um he was the only one in that point like this is early days of european book sales right and and he and we look at him as semi semi god in that sense because like he this guy had sold prisons club right but in my mind, I look at Andres and and I was like, uh, his name was actually Andres, well, Andres Martin. Um, and uh, oh. I look at Andres and, and I was like, Andres, like, he's not, how to say, he didn't at least appear that much more intelligent. He also, he didn't, how to say, I admits mean, a question of looks, but but he didn't look that much more attractive. But that's obviously a question of how you, on a lady who <laughs> looks at us. Uh, yeah. yeah um, and then, and I remember, and he, he worked in the same turf that I did. And he had the same books that I did. But my first summer, you know, I barely, I, I think one week I sold 100 units. Most of the time I was under. He was hitting President's Club. And, and then I realized that it really is, how to say, it really is skill. Like most people don't understand how important sales skill is and how much, like they think that if you're good at sales, you'll make 10% more money. If you're good at sales, you make 10 times more money. Right. It's like in most businesses, if you're really good, right. like the top producer usually makes times and times over what an average does. Um, so and in, in that sense, in Andres, I was like, like, he's not that much brighter. He's not that much good looking, but obviously he knows how to do it. So obviously it's a skill. So in some ways, I found the person who I know could teach me. And I also broke my belief barrier in the sense that, well, if he can do it, I should be able to do it. Right. Right. Um, so I really, I start, I really practiced. I really learned. I went to follow. I did whatever the heck I needed to do. Um, and in second summer, so I went. First summer, I sold like today's units. I probably sold like eight, nine hundred. Um, second wow. summer, I sold about like three times more. So what, three thousand? Maybe a bit less than three thousand, give or take. And yeah, give or take. Yeah. And then the third summer, I sold. Uh, six seven thousand and then i and i stayed at that you know eight thousand level pretty much uh you know pretty much every single year i sold prison i sold president's club in my career I, I did the math at one point i think i've sold president's club more than 80 times um so basically wow. after i got to the level i just i like i went out and first week out on a turf i hit president's club like i, I after that's why i stayed for 12 summers because I got really good at it. So I was making, you know, 60, yeah. 70K in a, in a summer plus the team was another 30 to 50. So, you know, I was making 100K in a in a year where, and again, in that time in Estonia, average income was probably 25, um, right? So, I mean, I was making yeah, yeah, decent money. Yeah, you're crushing it. Terms. 
yeah. Um, so so many, that's my story. So many questions. So many questions. Okay. Question number one. So wh- where did you sell your first summer? Where was that? Florida. Orlando, Florida. Oh. Oh, Not just my Orlando. first summer. My first four summers were in first in Orlando, Florida. And then uh, um, my fifth one, I really ventured out and I was ready for the extreme. So I went to Tampa. Look at you. Look at you expanding into the <laughs> exactly. same fucking place. It's so funny. It's a, Tampa is a smaller Orlando. Uh, first of all, I had family in Orlando. Orlando is probably one of the cities in the United States that I've been to most times in my life. Hmm. It's I, I like it. It's, you know, it's got its problems, but it's fine. It got oh, its problems. Yeah. yeah. But, but okay, I, I, did, so I did it as well. In Orlando. Yeah. Okay. As a, uh, and I, I asked all our European guests this before, or like our non-US citizen or non-U.S. born guests before, when you come to the U.S., I mean, I, I, they all had like this perspective of what the United States was like. Some of them were, it's like, oh, it's like Hollywood and it's like New York City. And it, what was your perspective on it? And then when you got here, what was it like and how was it different or the same when you when you arrived in Nashville and, and in Orlando? Like the culture shock and the... And the... Well, I mean, that was... That was what twenty years ago now, right? But um, yeah, but I mean, I if you can remember, if I, remember, if you remember. Like, I do remember this part. Like always, like I guess, yes. Like how to say, I expected that. That uh, well, and it, I mean, I expected what it was. I, I don't think there was a huge culture shock in that sense. If, but there was definitely a culture shock on my first couple of days there, um, because my manager was cheap. Um, so if you know Orlando, the, our first night. He booked a motel in Pine Hills, um, which yeah. is okay. one of the crime, yeah, no. bit more, yeah. bit more the best area of the town. It's rough. It's, it's pretty rough, rough right? You so, don't want to be in Pine Hills at 11 p.m. at night, like mm, just kind of casually wandering around. Mm-hmm. Not a good spot. So, yeah. <laughs> not a good spot. Like this is an area where they will, you're in a motel, they will rip out the air conditioning to go and take your stuff, basically, kind of thing, right? Yeah. And then, and you know, Orlando, it's muggy, and every night there's oh. a thunderstorm, right? So I remember my manager going out to have uh, to get dinner, I think, or something, or I don't know, or they went to go check an HQ or something. I was alone. It started major thunderstorm came in, right? And I only had like I didn't see a single white person basically. And I and I I'm from rural Estonia. I really hadn't seen a black person until I saw books pretty much ever pretty much, right? Um, So. so I remember that being a culture shock. I was like, Andres, what the heck you got yourself into? Um, right, that was a part. But then obviously, I mean, I sold in, uh, you know, first time I sold to Prisons Club was Abobka, Florida, which is really nice, uh, you know, like a middle, mid, mid-income, Abobka? nice suburb. Abobka, yeah. Uh, uh, I've been Abobka. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. Claremont. And I mean, there's some great, nice suburbs where you can you know i loved working there people are straight for like i love florida in that sense the weather was miserable for selling books yeah, right i was awful. i was soaking wet from so from hot. so hot but the people are straightforward new yorkers pretty much right they're straight to the point um which my fighter type clicks quite well the income is pretty decent and the school system sucks so yeah. so you know our books are it's not that difficult if you get past the weather basically if you get past the rejection of like you you do get rejected a heck of a lot more than minnesota for example where i sold my last three summers where people are just like they're more laid back and they will let you in they don't it's not that yeah. you don't have to approach that easily or that hard i guess what i mean um 
so that's what I remember from my first. But uh, but I mean, you know, most of selling books I I sold in really nice neighborhoods. I got to know the community. I got to know the people. I mean, I I enjoyed like I miss selling books every now and then. I still coach a couple of like a couple of my clients are 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 book kids. The, you know, the top performers who want to get even to the next level. So they send me their audios, and every single freaking summer i'm like i need to go and sell at least a day let's see if i can still do it in that sense um oh another cool thing i bet has any of your um any of your clients i bet somebody has talked about bookmares right like seeing the nightmares oh, yeah. still yeah. about selling books right yeah years so, later yeah <laughs> so Andres, this is a this is a unique thing with me i guess i sold so long and so well and so confidently that I still, I get booked in mares. They start off as me being in a book field, getting rejected. And I, in my sleep, I literally turn the mom around and I close them. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding you. I have had several of those. Like, like I guess I did it so long that, that it, like, literally in my mind, subconsciously, I'm like, I mean, you know, like, I'm getting rejected and nobody buys. And then subconsciously, my mind says, keep at it. You will close them eventually. And I do. <laughs> in the end of the, in, in the, in my nightmare, I actually end up getting a sale and closing them. Like, that's how that's weird it got hilarious. in my mind. That is <laughs> so. hilarious. <laughs> Oh my God. Nobody has, everybody, a lot of, some, not a lot. Some people have mentioned book mares, but nobody's mentioned them being starting as a book mare, turning into a dream, into a pony. Nobody's talking about like, yeah, yeah, straight yeah. Up, like some Bill Zizzy shit where it's like, oh, and then the, and then she bought and her sister bought and her sister, <laughs> sister bought <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and the grandma bought. And then they bought a whole set for the school. It was five, five sets. Bills is yeah, I don't know if it's ever been that bad, but I always ended up with a sale and kind of fell asleep calmly going, yeah, yeah, yeah I got this. Uh, so that's what 12 summers do to you, I think, or 80 times that's... in a PC. That's, a... <laughs> that's crazy. Oh, man. Okay. Rapid fire questions. Are you ready for this? I have like just sure. a quick question. Okay. Favorite squirrel from Ogmandino? I'll persist until, until I succeed by far. Number three. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. that's probably pretty much everybody's. Which, by the yeah. way, that has a, I'll tell you the story at the end of this of, 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 of how that scroll, it became how this podcast started. But that's all the story. But also, like, I will greet this day with love in my heart. Uh, right. Too. That one has been a big one for me, for sure, because I'm, a, I have to say, I'm introverted. I'm a driver type A. Um, I was miserable. Like, if they didn't buy, I like, how to say, like, I really struggled with that one. And, and you know, like, how to say, like, one of my things that I always say that you can't do sales if you hate people, right? You need to mm -hmm. figure out a way to love and forgive and, and love people. Um, because if you hate people, you're not going to sell much, right? So, so and th that's maybe the biggest, like, I remember my first summers, my first couple of summers, I went, I, I came back home. I didn't say to anybody that I was back home. And I took Miriam and I went for a week in the woods. Like, I mean, deep woods, just riding and camp, not camping. I mean, I probably got home by evening, but, but I just, I needed to be away from the people because I took everything so personally. I kept everything inside and so on. Um, and then, and then I learned like how to say, like, I always say this, that people are not against you. They're just for themselves. 
right? It's not personal. They, they just want, they don't want bad for you. They just want good for themselves. Like they, they do what's yeah. good for them. It's not about you. Like, and then the, then more the, the self-talk of uh, like, if they would know me, they would like me. They would love me. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's, I've said that probably tens of thousands of times in that sense, because it's true. Like, I mean, I, I do think that I'm like, I do think I'm a good person in that sense. Like if they would know me, uh, they would like me, but they don't know me, and that's why they're rude, and that's why they're mean, and and that's okay. Like I don't need to change the, everybody's opinion, right? It's the, but but yeah, greet this day with love in my heart is by far Ooh. also one of the big ones. That's great. That's really really good. Um, best state to sell in Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay. I love okay. Minnesota, but also maybe uh, how to say it might have not been the state. Like by when I went to Minnesota, my, my daughter was born already. My wife and my daughter were with me, my host family, Dodd and Sonia, Ellingson. So they, by the way, their son sold books as well. Dodd and Sonia became like grandparents for my baby girl. Um, you know, Dodd was probably, you talked about how some people talk, how they found God in, in the book field. If anybody has had an impact on my spiritual life, Dodd probably has had my biggest impact on my spiritual life. So, so I think me loving wow. Minnesota wasn't maybe perhaps the turf that was that amazing. It was just where I was at the life and the people that I that I that just maybe got them. and connected with. Yeah. Uh, so, wow. Uh, so okay. Yeah, okay. you're giving me rapid fire questions, but I'm taking too long to answer them. Perhaps. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, rapid fire questions as in like. Just a series of them, but please take as long as you want. That these are beautiful stories. The 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 fact that you met someone who, because I know what you mean. The your favorite territory favorite territory isn't necessarily attached to like wherever you sold the most. Although it could be. I mean, I'm not saying that that's not a good reason. I sold the most in uh, Missouri. I actually really oh. enjoyed Missouri as well. My best summer in units, Missouri. Um, no I loved it as well. Big farms. I just fitted in so well there. People were well, friendly. Uh, oh, that was a great summer. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you: suburbs, big brick, or country, or like what? What was the best mix in your opinion for you? Because people like to say territory doesn't matter. It fucking matters. It does. It does matter. Gonna, it does matter. It, well, but that's what you. What was your favorite? Country. Uh, like, country like I would say, if I, you ask yes. me what what my soul loved country like you know gravel so roads minnesota yeah. farms i mean amazing yeah. but yeah. but here's a kicker though the reason i like but if i'm really honest the reason i'm so good at what i do right now and so many things that i have in my life and the persistence and the skill i learned that in the suburbs of orlando uh, like i learned more because they were heavy knocks right it was big brick they had money they were in your face um like you had to approach six times to get in so that forced me like that forced me to learn the skill so for life like what was more influential florida um what i enjoyed more minnesota by far i mean i had my wife was there i had a dirt bike there uh, i mean i i also uh the the and sonia's son and that point was in it was in high school playing football i like he got me we went riding dirt bikes with his friends i sold the entire football team like i was a part of the community people still i have kids who go there and sell books and they still come back to me and say andrews they still talk about you i haven't sold books for seven years um <laughs> right so like what was good for the soul minnesota um what was good for learning the job Florida like I still one of the reasons I actually stayed in Florida for so many years is because I actually wanted my rookies 
to have a hard start because I believe that if they get through Florida and they survive, they can sell everywhere. Um, now yeah. that didn't, that my, my quitting ratio of people was a bit higher than most because I deliberately sent them to war. Uh, but the it's ones, uh, but the ones who came through, some of them are in my team right now. Most of them are really good friends. Like the ones who came through and learned the skill, you know, I would go to war with them anytime, any day. Um, yeah so, oh my god uh, so. massachusetts is brutal that way too i sold in ah. new york in the country my first summer and i, I did like four thousand units and then i went to and then i went to massachusetts the next summer holy shit man they were so mean there wasn't the weather there it was just they were fucking what the fuck mm. you want you just knock on the fuck you want like almost exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, was what that was florida they didn't trade me for this they didn't trade me for this. i'm andres yeah. you must be the dead yeah what the fuck do you want you're like <laughs> i know so exactly crazy. that was florida and if you learn move, that move, yeah if you learn that everything else is like that's everything else is then a minnesota mom who says honey what are you up to i mean that's just too easy like <laughs> do you want to just so, give me a check yeah <laughs> do you want to do this for 20 minutes or do you just want to give me a check for a thousand dollars in that sense like it's uh, so um, oh so true so true so true Oh man, uh, I forgot where we were. Oh, we okay. So favorite rapid state, fire. Favorite, favorite state. Oh yeah, favorite state. Uh, and then, oh yeah, okay. Um, if if you were if you were like thinking of a way of like between two people, let's say they had the same amount of skill, they have the same amount of like knowledge, and we're talking specifically with selling books, although this could be with anything. What what would you say makes a person better at selling books? Than another, like they have the same skills, same experience, same territory, same host family. What what's gonna make one win over the other? Attitude, right? There's it's, it's attitude. It's like that was maybe the like okay. So one last story. Well, maybe not one last story, but we'll do a, we'll do a bonus story as well. But I really do think there was a there's a difference between my first and my second summer. Like yes, my skill got better, but my attitude really got better as well. Like my first year, I really do think that I was just surviving. Like, and so let me tell you a story. Like this was, because I had my two summers, right? Were exactly the same turf, Orlando, Florida, you know, different neighborhood, but pretty much the same. Yeah, same idea. Um, my first summer, I still remember, I had, I knocked on a door. I think it was 4th of July or somewhere near there. A mom came to the door and said, you poor baby. It's so hot, hot outside. What are you doing here? It's 4th of July. You should be with your family. And I remember gearing up a bit and going, yep, but I promise that I'll stay through or I'll stick through it. You know, it's a challenge, but it's worth it or something in those terms, right? <laughs> and my second summer, I, it, it almost was a, almost picture perfectly the same kind of mom, almost the same words. You poor baby, it's so hot outside. What are you doing here? It's 4th of July. You should be with your family. And I was like, check out the sundown i'm getting a pretty decent check sundown and i'm in orlando <laughs> florida my friends are collecting money to come here right now same mom same turf that was me being different uh like um this is really a really good friend of mine ronald casavalli who's still a dsm um yeah. he, he sold he did he was the number one rookie from estonia that year my first year we, we started together right and I and he outsold me like three times my first summer, right? So I asked Ronald in the end of the uh, end of the summer, saying, "Ronald, what what the fuck, basically? Like, 
like three times more than I did. I mean, um, what you do, yeah, what you do, right? And and they literally word for word, this is what he said. He was like, Andrus, you think there's five schedules, right? Working, demos, sleeping, reading, and eating. There's actually six. The sixth one is attitude. Whoa. That was Ronald's words, word for word. And I really did. I do remember this was 20 years ago, but I was like, and he was like, if you have a shitty attitude, you're off schedule. Um, if you have a shitty attitude yeah. towards your work, you, ha you are off schedule. So that was my one of my big things on my second summer. I did like it wasn't that easy. I still needed to learn how to use self-talk. I needed to learn how to push my positive focus. I also needed to I needed to learn how to stay focused in the first place um, because I was ADD all the time. I still remember like even in my second summer, it wasn't like my second summer was perfect. My first three weeks of my second summer, I was doing about the same 100 units a week. And it was a, it, and I still remember this part. There was a, uh, there was a, it was a 24th of June. Why this is meaningful is 24th of June is midsummer day, this part of the world. This is the biggest party we have in the, in the summer. You know, fires, fires up everywhere, good meat, beers. Like your 4th of July is our midsummer day, right? And it was 24th mm. of June on my second summer. And I remember sitting in my car. I was an OL. I had a car at that point. And I remember daydreaming how much fun it would be to be at home drinking beer and spending time with my, well, then it was my girlfriend. Now it's my wife, right? Um, and I remember waking up from that dream. And I literally said out loud, I was like, Andrews, for fuck's sake, if you wanted to have beer at home, you could have. You came here voluntarily, and not just once. You came here the second time. Yeah. Right? <laughs> second time. Not the first one can be a mistake. Second one is not a mistake. Um, you came here on a second time, and now you're dreaming about being home. And I literally, I slapped myself. And that doesn't hurt that much, but this is what I did my entire second summer. Every time I discovered myself daydreaming, I did this again. And after you do this about 50 times, this gets really sore. Yeah, on your hand. Yeah. Really you're, you're slapping your hand, by the way. People listening, you didn't slap your, oh, hand. Yeah, you yeah. Slapped your hand. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm slapping <laughs> yeah. my hand. I, I, my hand was on the steering wheel. I used my other hand and I slapped my hand. Um, and I started doing this my entire time, every time I was daydreaming. So I stopped daydreaming because really quickly, it's like Maslow's dogs, right? You ring a bell, the drool comes. Every time you daydream, pain comes. So really, yeah. not really quickly, but pretty quickly, Relatively my brain fast. said, we're not yeah. thinking about, we're not thinking about girlfriends, we're thinking about next door, because this will hurt, right? Um, yeah. So, so yeah, that was maybe, brilliant. The, brilliant. so, um, brilliant. I'm definitely, they say there's a carrot and a stick person, right? I'm definitely a stick person more than I'm a carrot person. Like I need to force myself. Uh, the pain was what got me focused, not the reward of a dirt bike. Um, so I'm definitely a more a stick person than I'm a current person. That's good to know about yourself, by the way. And, and for people who don't understand that, there's the same thing as a war, towards motivated and away motivated, where it's like, as in like you are, you're motivated towards a goal, but some people are actually motivated away from a goal. Like as in like, maybe you're scared of being broke. So that's, you're being away, you're away motivated from being broke. Other people are motivated for being rich. So they chase it. It's like a two different. Yeah. Good. Good thing. Okay. Last rapid fire question. And then we'll go to ponytails because we're getting here on time. And I know you we're getting more time. children. Yeah. Yeah. Um, favorite, favorite advanced sales tape. Hmm. 
crap, there were so many, and I haven't listened to so many of them. I don't even remember. There was um, Bill Zizzy, Pat Roach, Roger Sipe. Yeah, Roger and Roger and Pat were really influential. Like I a lot, but still, like we we actually did a we did a training together. Um, and 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 Roger Sipe was another one. Like I still like like Roger. If you're listening, like uh, like this is a good one. I still use him. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Roger who did this. So okay, uh, Roger uh, Smith, the Roger Smith, Roger Sipe, Pat Roach, Bill Zizzy, and Dave Rosen. God damn, that was a good one. There was many. Yeah, I don't know. Let's just like I enjoyed a heck of a lot of, all them. of them. I listen all of them. They were <laughs> like they were influential. Like like I, I guess this is a, like the broadcast of that time was uh, advanced sales tape, right? You always listen to them. <laughs> I I listened so many of them. That was my way of learning how to sell books um, for sure. Hell yeah! All right, well, uh, okay. Now it's time for the ponytails in, and now I'm gonna give one more shout out to some of our friends of ours, and then you think of the your favorite story. And then, yeah. and then we'll tell it and then we'll close it up. Um, okay. So number one, Oscar and Oliver with V Designly. Uh, they're the masterminds behind their website. So if you guys want to go check that out, our merch is out there. Go buy a hat. Go buy a shirt. We got fanny packs that say units on them. Come on now. Go get yourself a fanny pack. Get yourself a mug. Whatever you guys want, go to the ponytailspodcast.com. Go find our merch section right there. But if you guys are looking to be sure to improve on your social media presence and on your online presence, you're going to need a website. Don't go the cheap route. You get what you pay for. And these guys are doing it. They're right in Estonia via Designly. Uh, they're still, one of them still selling books. Oliver's working um, in, uh, I think he's in Tartu as well, actually. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, make sure you guys reach out to us. We get you guys there. Get your ups- website upgraded. They're really it's- good at building websites, by the way. They are extremely good at building websites. Yeah, yeah, they're awesome, actually. Really, really smart guys, too. So also, if you're in the U.S., it's very beneficial to you because uh, uh, Estonian currency, uh, with us, when book being booked, people, it was actually pretty fraction of the price that you would pay someone for that same exact work here. So very beneficial for you. Uh, highly recommend. And then our and their English sponsor... is good. I mean, they're not like it's not like you're talking to Eastern Europeans. They, you're talking to you don't probably even realize that yeah. you're talking it's... to somebody from Tartu. Yeah, it was brilliant. They, these guys are great, and we love we love working with them. So, uh, absolutely. Um, last but not least, um, talk about scaling investments and back to the investment theme. Julio Hernandez with Enla Energy. Uh, he's been in the solar business for six years. In solar, actually in Florida, I went door to door with Enlight for. A long time there uh, for, for a few months there actually so uh, his company has more than doubled every year in business and uh, the things that he would invest in last year are already different than the things he wouldn't have, have invested five years ago so uh, before he couldn't invest in paid leads now he's able to provide his sales reps with pre-qualified at bat so when you have a long-term vision for you and your company you work with it quickly becomes obvious what needs you have to complete uh, so that your job can be done with excellence write those down working on phases makes it so your business investments become like unlocked superpowers or like grabbing the superstar from Mario <laughs> and crushing it. Um, and then, of course, last, 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 last one is Cardinal Senior Benefits with Quentin Roberts. We've talked about them before. A lot of really good wisdom. Guys, when we started working with them, they had 27 people on their team, on their roster. They now have 31. Four people have come through the podcast and got recruited by them because of they heard because they heard him on the show so super exciting that we're making uh, a difference in other companies and super fun to be a part of it so uh, one of the main reasons that people are going there is because they have solid culture they kept some of the good things about that culture in southwestern and they removed some of the bad shit like the cold calling or the unbalanced life or the lack of freedom so make sure you guys uh get some more inquiries on there there are top performers are earning anywhere between 12 to fifteen thousand dollars per week 
uh, gross profit. And they've done that work in about 31 to 34 hours. So back to that balance that we've been talking about on the show today. Um, we mentioned it before. They're on growth mode. They're looking to double again in 2022. Well on their way, I should say. And if you want to find out why so many people are going there, make sure you refer yourself uh, or your or a friend. Um, and we can't promise you a job, but we can get you an interview for sure. And then, of course, there's a $500 referral bonus if someone gets hired. So there you go. You're welcome, y'all. Um, all right. So here we go. Andrus, we made it to the end. We made it to the ponytails. I know you got a good one. And then let's tell this story we'll and we can wrap her up. My one is it might be a bit different. Uh, let me talk. Let's do a blue light award story. But that ah, will be a different yeah. kind of blue light story. Uh, so blue light award is when, yeah, exactly. Cups being called on you. So I got that a lot, by the way. Um, <laughs> because there's a couple of reasons. Um, well, and there's a there's a story inside a story, but but again, Orlando, Florida, hard knocks, a lot of approaching, and I really did get good at approaching well. Um, and literally, let's, let's I'll give you the quick one, and then I'll give you the long one. Quick one is like this: I got so good at approaching. So this is how they taught me. They were like, Andrus, when they give you an objection, whoever flinches, right? You you look to the eye, you drop the eye contact, you kind of flinch a bit. That is like my my sales director, Chris Adams at that time, said, Andrews, think that you're in a boxing match and whoever flinches first gets a hook in. So he's basically like, doesn't matter what they tell you, you do not flinch. You go in a second approach, right? And so second summer, I pounded that one in, right? And then in my, I, I don't know if it was the first summer or end of second summer, I started getting cops called on me quite often. And I was like, Chris, uh, we had a morning meeting with Chris and a phone call and I was like, Chris, what the heck, you know, like, it seems like every day I got a blue light award for some reason. And Chris smiles and says, Andres, I think when people give you an objection and you literally don't even blink an eye, that might be scary a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so literally, my, I think it was my third summer, I forced myself to start flinching. Like mom said, we're not interested. I said, I guess you haven't heard about me yet. Like I, I just turned my picture away a bit. Like I had to, some, like I have to be softer. So, so I was like, oh, I guess you haven't heard about me yet, right? I, I had to flinch. So, but anyway, that's not a that's a small blue light award. Sorry. Um, now this was my this was my fourth summer. Orlando, uh, Florida is also unique in that sense that um, there's a lot of subdivisions. Most subdivisions have no soliciting signs, so no soliciting, don't knock on doors, right? What's unique about them is that they put it in the front of the subdivision, which basically technically says, don't go and knock on any door here. Yeah. Well, that's 99% of the subdivisions. Like if you're going to sell books in Orlando, Florida, and you're not going into the subdivisions where there's a known soliciting sign, you literally do not have turf to work in. Yeah. And what's unique about them, what few, few people don't understand is that like that's, that sign is completely legal. Like the only way you can do that, you can say that on your own property. Like this is my house, your house, your castle rule. Like you can put it on your sign saying, do not knock on my door. And as a salesperson, you should be respecting that, right? But most of subdivisions are publicly, the streets are publicly owned and there have there is no right whatsoever to block the entire city owned street and say this applies to everybody. Right, this goes against freedom of speech, which is one of the most sacred rights that you guys have there. Um, uh, for now, so for now, for yes. now, we'll see how that goes exactly. Um, so technically, you were allowed to sell there, right? But now, 
but that also meant that it really depended on HOA. And, and it almost, <laughs> this is funny, it almost depended on where the heck the president of the homeowners association lives. Yeah. If that president <laughs> lived in the start of the subdivision, I was fucked pretty quickly. If that yeah. person lived in the end of the subdivision, I usually worked my way through, and when I get there, they kick me out, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> but now, but that meant every now and then, well, maybe a bit more often than every now and then, um, they called the cops on me and said, you have to leave. And then I explained um, and politely explained why I won't leave and, and so on. And there was a, there was thing, right? So this was my fourth summer or third summer, I think. In, I was in Claremont, Florida. And, and I think in some point the cops just got annoyed by me because they had to come out every week to check me. And, and, and basically, so I was, I was not, uh, I was knocking on a door. I came for, out from a sit down. Uh, there was a deputy in front and the deputy was like, Andrews, you can't knock on doors here. Go away. Oh, no. And I was like, I tried to explain. And he was like, Andrews, you don't understand. You can knock on doors here. If, if I see you here again, I will give you a ticket. Go away. Now, here's my magical card, and I'm hoping, Chris, if you, uh, if Chris, if you listen to this, this is I, I so much admire you for this. One advantage of working in the same turf for three summers is that I knew alumni, and in 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 Orlando area, there's Christopher Largy who sold books, and Chris is uh, at that point, and I don't I, like I know he's doing a bit of politics work as well, but he's a really good lawyer basically. And Chris hosted a, a Sunday meeting, and obviously we clicked, and Chris helped me through the year so much. So obviously, so when I got kicked out of that subdivision, I called Chris and said, Chris, this happened again. The cops pushed me out. And he, sa he said he will give me a ticket if, if I don't leave. And Chris was like, Andrus, I'm so sick and tired of these guys. Go get that ticket. I will... Uh, I will go for the court for you and I will settle this once and for all. Like he was on a vengeance by that point. Like he was like, fucking go and take let's it. Go. Like, don't, let's go. Do like, like they can't, they can't arrest you this way. Right. He was on my side. I, and, and I, and I have to say like, Chris, if you do listen to this, I was a 20, what, 23 year old kid in a country that I am not from in a culture that I do not know. And my confidence was all because of Chris. I was like, Chris will come after me. Chris will help me if I have to. I, I, owe, uh, I owe Chris so much so from those years. So uh, I turned around. <laughs> I turned around. I went to knock on the door, right? <laughs> the cop was gone. Um, and I, the cop was gone. And I, I got a new sit down. I, I ended the sit down. I walked out from the house. And the deputy was back. And the deputy was pissed. The deputy was like, why? And I don't know if he used F words, but the deputy was, why are you back? And I looked at him and I said, sir, you know, I thought about it. And if you kick me out of this one, you kick me out of the next one. And sooner or later, I don't have anywhere to work. I know the law is on my side. I was thinking that I could I get that ticket and I'll go to the court and we'll settle this. The cop in that point said, I won't give you a ticket. I will arrest you right now. And he handcuffed me um, and, and started to put me in the car. I had a follower. I had a young girl, named, a young girl following me that day. And 
and I I didn't know I've never been arrested before so I didn't know what to do so I didn't also flinch in that situation I just looked at the girl and said take my phone call Chris and come and bail me out and I sat into the cruiser voluntarily that he didn't have to push or anything and literally there I am sitting uh, and the guy and the and the deputy is on the the cruiser door and for some reason I was expecting he would slam the door and just start driving right but he's standing there keeping the door open I'm just sitting there with my handcuffs right and he goes Anders how much does your books cost and I was like well I don't know like a hundred bucks to thousands like depends on what you want right and he was like is thousand bucks worth going to jail for? Or is a hundred bucks actually? Is a hundred bucks worth going to jail for? And I'm like, well, no, but where will I work? Right? And the shut up. And the guy and, and, and then I realized the deputy was bluffing. He had no grounds whatsoever. He knew the law. He was just trying to intimidate me, and he probably would have. I, I was a 23-year-old kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and he stood there a bit. He, there was a 30 second pause. And he said, you know what? I don't want to take to jail somebody who's working. He uncuffed me and rest of the summer, he didn't get a single like that word. Nothing, absolutely nothing. I didn't see a winch of them. Like literally when the cops, when somebody called, they were like, no, we check this guy out. He's good. We're not coming out. He can do what he does. He's a good, like he's a solid business. Like basically they had to vouch me on the phone wow. because they didn't come out anymore. You were in so. the car in cuffs. <laughs> <laughs> and I backed down a deputy from arresting me. But obviously, again, this is more, this applause is more for Chris than to me. Without Chris, I would have ran. I would have yeah, changed have her. I would have well I would I would have known but I didn't I mean I don't know how to fight for myself in the court and it, it's usually not worth it in that sense right um yeah. but because Chris said Andrews don't worry about it because Chris also sold for years and years I don't know years and years but several years he knew how important the schedule was so he literally told me that go get the ticket you don't have to come I will go for you in the court you're not going to break your schedule I will fix this go get the ticket basically he was like go get the ticket uh, right so i mean that's his confidence and he's and his willingness and and this goes maybe really well into this this camaraderie thing that you're talking that you can meet anybody just because you sold books chris didn't need to help me he helped me because i sold books and he was like well somebody helped me and to this day actually this is a really good closing point to this day if i can help i help because somebody helped me there were so many situations where people came and helped me with yeah. no benefit for their own they just, they gave me gas, they picked, they fixed my bike, they helped me with my car, they gave me a place to live. Like, there were so many they people. fed you? Just, they fed me, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then some of them do their own job. They were like, Andrews, I'll fight for you. Go to court, right? Go and get a ticket. Uh, so, so wow. I think that, that is what book selling does. To, that is the camaraderie. And But that's also greeting the day with a love in your heart. And helping people even if they annoy you uh, and even if they you know so even if they go past nine o'clock yes uh, <laughs> <significantly>. <laughs> well man oh what a brilliant end my god well thank you so so much great story you defeated the fucking authorities you did your thing because you were doing the right thing that's a great story guys if you're going to get a hold of andres ali you got to go to linkedin uh, just look him up, 
Uh, he's with Southwestern Consulting. And if you want to learn more, get in contact with him, maybe get some coaching from him. Uh, that would be a good way to get a hold of him for sure. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the episode, man. I hope you had fun. Is this okay? It was fun. I'm out of gin as well. It was a perfect. Uh, thank you perfect, for this. I really enjoyed it. Perfect timing. Thank All right, you for we'll having close me. it on this one, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Peace out, everybody.